Welcome to Second Baptist Church. It is our privilege to have you join us through this online platform. Today you will be listening to Pastor Derwin Griffin preach from the pulpit of Second Baptist Church. If you are able, we would love to have you join us in one of our services. May God bless you. One Matthew chapter 21. As you're turning there today, let me encourage you to keep your Bible open. We'll be looking at these 11 verses. And as we spend time in them, I pray that God not necessarily show us something that we have never heard, uh, but yet that He just show us something that would be applicable for where we live uh, our lives today. I simply for titling's sake have entitled it, The Preparation and Presentation of Jesus. We know uh, today by a different term, and that is Palm Sunday. And uh, that is because of the way Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And as He did that day, this is the passage that we'll be studying and how the crowd responded. And yet uh, it is His last week of earthly life and earthly ministry that we focus on today. So Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 6 is what we'll read, but look at the remaining part as well. And the Scripture says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied in a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them and straightway He will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughters of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt of the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. There's a couple of times in Scripture that I'm reminded of that uh, the writers would uh, give us clear explanation about when God speaks, do it. If you remember, uh, there at Cana of Galilee in Jesus' first miracle, uh, when it was brought to Mary's attention that they were out of wine, you remember Jesus, I mean Mary, uh, told Jesus, His disciples, whatever He says, do it. Well, in this passage, it is a similar statement although not completely the same, it says here the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. I find that there's not any curiosity from their part. They don't need any further explanation. It is just this, that God said it, uh, and now the Scripture says uh, these disciples are willing to do it. As we look at the passage today and remind ourselves that it is a Passion Week, some would call this possibly Passion Sunday, because next weekend we'll be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. So much takes place in this last week of His earthly life. And the Scripture introduces us to this real quickly as Matthew gives us uh, some words that we can uh, sink deep in our minds and souls. Notice, if you would, first of all, the cause of the event. Why was this happening in the first place? 
You know, sometimes I'm still guilty of wondering, well, why is this happening? Why is this going on? I can even ask myself the same question. Why do we do what we do? And surely some of you are much like I am. So the reality here is the cause of this event. I was reading, and probably you see it in verse number 4. It said, All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. So number one, there is the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, if you know, uh, the Bible contains many prophecies. Not only does it pertain many prophecies concerning the days uh, and the ages that we're living in, but it also contains uh, prophecies. Uh, There are many of them that that pertain to the life of Jesus Christ. Now, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, and the foal of a donkey. It doesn't just so happen that Jesus uh, uh, determines in his own mind and soul that I'm tired. I think it's time to uh, get it over with. No, that's not the attitude here. Jesus uh, would constantly remind the disciples and us throughout his life that his time had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. But now as he's coming to Jerusalem or came into uh, Bethany and stayed, and now he's coming into Jerusalem, what we find there is uh, him uh, sort of capitalizing what he had came for, and that is to die. The Scripture said, All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, yes, the prophet Zechariah, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. So not only is it the fulfillment of prophecy, but it is secondly a fulfillment of person. We also find in verse 9 here today that it says, The multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now there's a little phrase there mixed into that sentence. And it says, uh, they're speaking of David. It says, uh, the Son of David. Now those of you who again are thinking prophecy and thinking Scripture, remember that the day in which David was the king of Israel, the Lord had made a promise there that there would a uh, man of his... uh, of his lineage uh, would always uh, stand forth or sit forth on the throne uh, there uh, in Israel. So we find it's the fulfillment of a person. Now some would say, well, it just happens to be the person of Jesus. Jesus obtained his, uh, uh, he obtained his right to that because of his obedience. No, that's not how it went. The Scripture tells us that God sent forth His Son, His only Son, uh, there that He might be the sin atonement or the payment for our sin. The Scripture reminds us again there in verse 9 and 10 here, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Yes, uh, 
Jesus, we know Him by that name because I simply call it His common name, His earthly name, Jesus. However, if we want to look at the word Emmanuel, He shall be called Emmanuel because that is God with us. And yes, this is about 33 and a half years of earthly life. And now He's fixing to offer Himself for sins, the sin of the entire world. And because of that, we see prophecy fulfilled. We see the person being fulfilled there. And also, we see a priority being fulfilled as well. Verse 11 said, And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of... Or, yes, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. So ladies and gentlemen, what we see here is the cause of this event. You know on Palm Sunday we used to uh, do a special event and I'm not saying we used to do it here, but I'm talking about uh, churches are all doing something. They probably got their kids ministry doing something or maybe their student ministry. And sometimes we would cut the palmettos and we would have a uh, the event that we would say, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So we're seeing the picture of what Jesus did. And we're seeing it from the perspective of the cause for the event. Secondly, let's think about the circumstances of the event. We see the cause, let's look at the circumstances. The scripture tells us there that there is a procession. Now, as I'm looking at that, uh, it says in verse 8 and 9, if you're following me there, a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I was reading yesterday, I always try to sort of sum up uh, what I've been studying on and usually got it all uh, spelled out there, but I was, I was reading yesterday about the procession. Some have uh, compared it to a victor celebration after a war. Then I carried my mind back into the time of David and Saul. If you remember after the uh, time that David took the life there of Goliath. The scripture reminds us that when they come back into uh, their place, and when they come back to, I think it was Jerusalem, but anyway, when they come back to where people were, the scripture says, and the people had gathered, and they were saying there that Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Victory celebrations. You know, you see them uh, around us. You see them uh, called parades. Uh, uh, you see an event that will draw a crowd. Something spectacular has happened. And therefore, we line the streets wanting to welcome the victors home. Well, in some ways, you can see that, can you? You can sense that. The procession is coming. And with that procession, there are a multitude, and that's how it lists them there in verse 9. Multitudes before and that followed, uh, there are crying, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Thirdly, there's a procession, there's praise, but then there's a pause. You say a pause, yes. 
You know, sometimes we may put a comma in a sentence, and sometimes I treat that comma like a little pause. Uh, There's something more definitive fiction to be printed there for me to see. Well, the pause there reminds me, and I read it out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 41. It says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes, for the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on, on every side, and shall lay thee even in the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation." Now again, you study that passage and uh, the Scriptures reminding us of what prophetically is yet going to take place. Uh, yes, and, they cl- uh, and, and history teaches us that this happens some 35 or 40 years later, approximately when this prophecy will take place. However, what I want you to see, the pause is this. The procession is taking place. The circumstances of praise are being uh, surrounded there. But uh, although Matthew doesn't necessarily give it to us right here, what we find though is Luke uh, gives us this pause. Yes, and it's in the order in which uh, we're reading that as we're harmonizing the gospel. The uh, the, The harmony of that is Jesus looks out on the city and He wept. Now friends, I don't know about you, But sometimes I have to think uh, with my spiritual mind and have to believe that maybe Jesus looks out upon the nations today and He weeps. Not simply because uh, of any one thing or any one country. It's just because of who He is. And the Scripture reminds us that He is not slack concerning the promises some men count slackness. He's not willing that any perish but that all would come to repentance. The cause of the event, the circumstances of the event. Third, there's curiosity. Look at the curiosity of the event. Verse 10 says, And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. There's curiosity here that day. Yes, it's Jesus. Yes, He's been around for 33 years, a little over. Yes, you would think that uh, in and around uh, Jerusalem and Galilee, you would think that everybody has heard about Jesus. Or you might would believe that in this time, maybe everybody had seen Jesus. But according to what I read here, that has not happened. Because some of them are wanting to know, who is this? What's going on? Maybe it's uh, something that was unannounced. Naturally, this Jesus is coming to town. But we see the question, the interest, the inquisitiveness about this particular time. That's why we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, not to take for granted that everybody knows uh, what we know about Jesus. And I'm not talking about arrogance in which we want to tell everybody what we know and toot our horn. I'm not speaking to that. 
I'm speaking to the fact that you would be surprised in our community or maybe even in our culture today that there are those who would ask that question when you talk about Jesus, who is this? Because they maybe have never heard. A friend of mine once said in his preaching, I remember it as if it just happened, he said, people are more willing to hear than we are to tell. And because of that, this event became more real to those who had asked, who is this? But notice the answer. They said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Oh, my friend. It said the multitude began to say that. They were ready to give an answer. And my friend, let us use that as, a, as an event this week to be able to give others answer concerning this person, Jesus, there of Galilee. Verse 10 says, as I said, the real thought there is, who is this? There's the request of many, but then secondly, there's the response of the crowd. Now let me just sort of give this to you as I saw it uh, this week. Number one, we could think about the Lamb being promised in Genesis chapter 3. If you go back and you read that passage, sin had uh, became known to Adam and Eve. They had disobeyed the Lord's command. And the Scripture tells us that they then recognized uh, their nakedness. They sewed uh, together as best they could a clothing for themselves. Uh, and God comes around in uh, the cool of the day and He said, Adam, where art thou? You remember the story. And Adam said, I'm over here. And the Scripture said in Genesis 3, 1 to 21, that God would provide the lamb for the sacrifice, for the offerings. Well, you know that particular day. Don't find any place there, I haven't, of which the Lord did that. But we know that instead of what man had did to cover his sin, the Lord, the Lord did that day and He clothed them with the skins of an animal. And friend, I, I see death for the first time in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. The lamb was promised. The lamb was prepared. The lamb was provided. The lamb was praised. And then the lamb was presented. Hebrews, 9, I mean Hebrews 10 and 9 says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he might establish the second, by which still, or by which will, we are sanctified through the body of the Lord Jesus once for all. And every priest standing daily ministering and offering aforetimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin, this man Jesus, it says, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Friend, aren't you glad today that what Jesus did uh, there at Calvary, uh, these, what, five days, four days after, we find Him coming into the city of Jerusalem there, and we find that great procession. We find Him weeping over the city. What Jesus offered that week was not a lamb, it was Himself. And there was no more need for another sacrifice. Jesus became that once and for all sacrifice through the blood of Himself. 
Now, with that in mind, as we look at that week, there's about three things I want to sort of leave with you today. And I want you to carry them home with you and read them this week of passion and, and see if uh, He speaks to you through them. First of all, I find that there's a word of lament uh, during these days, okay? There's a word of lament. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41, uh, we have spoke to it, but it said, When He was come near, He beheld the city, wept over it. And then He says, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thy eyes. You know, the reality is that not only did he weep openly, but he gave some explanation to that uh, when he said, If you had known, if you had known, if you had received, but now it's too late, uh, the time has passed. Reading behind one of the theologians, it says here concerning, it says he wept over it. Not merely silent tears of mute sorrow, but he wept aloud. All the insults and the sufferings of the passion were powerless to elicit from the man of sorrows that expression of intense grief which the thought of the ruin of the loved city called forth. You know, men, women weep over some strange things, can we? You know, you can watch a good movie, and if you're not careful, you'll weep over it. You can watch a commercial on TV of starving little children uh, across the lands, and we'll weep over it. And oh, the Lord never said to weep is to be weak. But Jesus, as He wept over Jerusalem, you know, His weeping came with explanation. Friend, let me say to you that we examine what makes us laugh and what makes us cry. You know, someone said you can tell the heart of an individual when you study what they cry over, but also what they laugh about. Jesus, in this passage, wept. Now, there are more times uh, that Jesus would weep in Scripture. You know, He would weep there uh, with Lazarus. He would weep there with Mary and Martha. And the reason he wept there was his friend had died. But the reason he's weeping over Jerusalem is their opportunity of salvation has passed. There's also during this week of passion, there's a word of praise. Not just a word of lament, but there's a word of praise. He says there in Luke 19.37, And when it was come nigh, even out the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples... There, the whole multitude began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, and peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Now look at that. It says, Some of the Pharisees among the multitude said, Master, Rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. The thought came to me this morning. I'm not sure if it uh, came while I was traveling uh, to the church, which I have such a long ride. I'm not sure where it came, but I just remember this. The Lord reminded me that He can do without us. But we can't do without Him. 
He would say to us today, if you're not willing to praise me, the rocks would cry out. You say, do you believe it, preacher? I believe every word of it. I believe that even the birds are praising. Creation praises Him. And oh, why are we to think for a moment that we cannot praise Him? The stones would cry out. And then last, uh, in this week of passion, we have record, not only a word of lament and a word of praise, but there's a word of dismay. Matthew 21, 12 says, And Jesus went into the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It's written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And the chief priest and the scribe saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were sore displeased. And he, or Anne, saith unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, Thou hast perfected praise. I don't know if it's in the first service or the second. You say, man, you don't know that long. No, I don't. Brother Mike made mention of the children, the babies. I remember the word for. We are grateful for the babies. Now let me say what I see here. He never said get old and polished up and cleaned up like the older people do and learn to praise me, did he? He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Somehow, church, we need to be a people of praise. And I'm not saying we aren't, but, oh, I really want to remind you that we all have much to praise Him for. Now, this Passion Week, can you remember, or as you go, remember, that Jesus comes into Bethany, he loved to stay over there when He came. The Scripture says that when He comes to go into Jerusalem, He's got to walk down a valley, or down into the valley, He's got to walk back up and come back around uh, until He gets to enter the city. But as he, does, as he does that, we find that there are people. He has a, he has a large group of people. He's calling them a multitude that are coming along with Him. And they are paving the street in front of Him. Can you imagine the dust that day that might would have came up had they not uh, paved that road for Him with branches and clothing and everything? Why? Because this is He, the King of the Jews, the Lamb of God. And friend, I remind you that in less than five days, what happens He'll be seen hanging upon a tree. He says, there's no way they could have put me on that tree and held me there. He did it voluntarily. Why? Because to satisfy holy God's favor for sin and the sin offering. Now as we close today, I'll give you one reason He did it. Me. 
me. Yes, we've heard other people say that if there had been nobody else in the world at this time, He would have done it just for me. But He did it for you too. Jesus paid it all. This is, someone say, that little fanfare that precedes the actual act. No, nothing was done without meaning. This was that the prophecy may be fulfilled. And the next thing we see, He'll be crucified. And then by the time we worship next Sunday morning, we'll commemorate His resurrection. All to Jesus we owe. Would you pray? Father, I do thank You. Unworthy am I, Lord, to even be considered as a part of Your great plan. Thank You for what You did for sin. And Lord, when You did it for sin, You did it for sinners. Paul said, I remember in the New Testament of sinners, I'm chief. Lord, thank You for what You've done that we might have life eternally, but also abundantly. Bless this time of invitation. Draw men and women, boys and girls, unto Yourself. Lord, there are others might be wanting to unite with us as a part of kingdom work and worship here at Second Baptist. Have Your way during this invitation. In Jesus' name.